Hello and welcome to Infinite Possibilities Abound. I'm your host, Debbie Waisner. I'm going to continue on the topic of steps to good health. Let's start where we left off and I'm going to review the first three steps or habits that will, if applied, lead to better health. The first one I mentioned in the last episode was nutrition. There is lots of information out there. Much of it is contradictory, and there are all sorts of diets. What you have to do is find the foods that work best for you. Raw foods have the highest nutrition, but they can be difficult to eat, and that's why many people will juice or make smoothies. Lightly cooking and steaming can be beneficial for many of the vegetables as this breaks down the cell walls and the food, the vegetables are more easily chewed and broken down. There are a number of elimination diets available to you where you remove foods that you think might be giving you pain, inflammation, and or swelling. You remove those foods for three to four weeks and then add them back one at a time and see how your body responds. If, you, if the pain returns or if the swelling inflammation or you just don't feel good, then you want to eliminate that food from your diet. Packaged and heavily processed foods are problematic. They generally have a lot more sugar added to them as well as preservatives and seed oils, corn oil, soybean oil, canola oil. Those three oils in particular are high in omega-6 oils, which do cause inflammation. So I restrict those and replace with coconut, hemp, avocado, oils. Carbohydrates are not bad or evil. Protein is not bad or evil. And fats are not bad or evil. Your cell membranes have an oil component. So to have healthy cells means you need to have some fat in your diet. I learned by trial and error what really worked for me. But then that means you have to pay attention to how you feel and make a connection between what you ate and how you feel. Many people eat unconsciously and it becomes difficult to determine exactly where the problem is coming from. I kept a food journal for a while, for about six weeks, to see if I could find any patterns. The government's recommended diet is not that healthy, and I don't follow it. And my suggestion is you don't follow it either. Step two would be exercise. You need to move your body. Weight-bearing exercise is best if you can do it. You don't need fancy products, fancy videos, or a bunch of equipment. A good pair of shoes is helpful. Exercise improves the quality of your life, stimulates the mind and the body, and improves the overall performance of your body. So the question is, will you make time to make exercise and your health a priority? I make it a priority of mine, and my suggestion is that you should do likewise. But that's a choice you get to make, not me, because you are in charge of yourself. The third step or habit to have is getting good rest. And sleep is a problem in the United States and in many countries. And that's probably because of high levels of stress 
and distraction and the use of a variety of the technology that we have today. Good sleep reduces stress, boosts our mental capabilities, and relaxing and taking time off allows us to work on our relationships with the people that we care about. You want the room to be cool and dark. Maybe wear socks to bed every night. The research I read and, and I implemented, I found to be very helpful. Step four, or habit four, is all about your environment. Fresh air, sunshine, and plants all improve the health and mood of our environment. Sunshine is vital. It's important. It's necessary for the conversion of vitamin D into an active form necessary for healthy bones. If you don't have enough vitamin D, both your immune system and your bones will suffer. There are a lot of industries that try to make you afraid of the sun. You don't need to be afraid or have fear of the sun. You just need to implement certain strategies. Morning sun and evening sun are fine. Be outside, unprotected. It's from that 11 until, say, 3 o'clock where the ultraviolet rays are the highest that you want to avoid. The light energy from the sun includes the UVA and UVB rays, which can be problematic with excessive exposure. But these rays can actually be good for your house since they can inhibit the growth of mold and mildew. So inside your home, whether it's an apartment or a house, let the sunshine in, let fresh air in, have some windows and a door open on occasion as weather permits. The air inside your house is more polluted, generally speaking, than the air outside. And if you think about it, it makes sense. You have a closed environment, you have rugs, carpets, chemicals, cleaners, and unless you do have open windows, that material can stay in the air inside your house and that's what you end up breathing. So it's important to step outside and get some fresh air. Another beneficial component for your indoor environment are houseplants, green plants, which can help clean the air. Plants remove the carbon dioxide and release oxygen in return. Another beneficial item for your home environment is having pets. There is a mountain of research studies on the benefits of pet ownership. Pets can lessen loneliness and depression. It's been found, they've been found to lower blood pressure and help you recover better if you've been sick or ill. And they're there for you no matter how bad your day is. And there are so many different types of pets that you should be able to find one that is helpful for, your, for you and your family. Now, for me, another thing that is very important is being around music. I like all kinds of music. So having a good speaker system, stereo, which is old-fashioned, but I enjoy music, and that is something that I've always had in my home, in my house, in my apartment, in school. Now, what else could you add that would inspire you? Books. Photos, pictures, drawings. You can create your own healthy environment wherever you are. The fifth step, habit, or component to a healthy life is relationships. I tend to think of myself as a hermit. I like my alone time a lot. 
but I even have relationships with a variety of people. There are relationships with family, friends, neighbors, co-workers. Now, you can't choose your family, but you can choose to have healthy relationships that will help you grow and keep you healthy and balanced. And we have to learn to let go of relationships that are not healthy for us, that hold us back or make us feel bad. I think we've all been there and done that. Romantic and family relationships can be quite complex. The dynamics that you have with loved ones and extended family is generally filled with all sorts of quirks. And then there are the misunderstandings and good times. One thing that I have found for myself and other people that I interact with is many times what we find so annoying in family members and friends are the same issues or habits that we have for ourselves. Our first relationships are with our family, and for better or worse, they're where we learn to interact with others. We model the behaviors and values that we saw growing up. So if you have issues with how things went when you were a child, acknowledge them. Become aware of them, and now you can change them. And then you can change how you model those actions and behaviors to your children and break whatever cycle that you did not like. Friends are people that you can choose. They're people that want to hang out with you, who are comfortable around you and will help you when you need it. And then there are relationships with colleagues and co-workers. These can be vital because you have to learn to work with others. Teamwork and collaboration and cooperation are an important part of success. Learning to be a team player and by helping others first shows you care about their success and they will reciprocate in the future. The basis for healthy relationships rests on communication and trust. So you have to become a listener first. Every person needs to be heard. And by listening, you encourage them and help them to fulfill their needs. Trust is something that is learned and earned over time. When people see that you care about them and their needs, they're more willing to support you in your goals and in your pursuits. The sixth step, habit, or component to a healthy life is your mental viewpoint. Your intellect and emotions can be trained and developed just like the muscles of your body. Positive outlook improves not only your life, but the lives of those around you. Want to grow intellectually? Surround yourself with smart people. You'll be challenged to be, to be your best, and they will elevate your thinking. Smart people can challenge you to think harder, deeper, and maybe and in an entirely different way than you have before. I've read statistics where about 30% of high school students and about 48% of college students never read another book after graduation. Then they're not challenging themselves. They're not growing. They're not learning. And studies show that people who continue to learn and challenge their minds as they grow older are less likely to suffer from dementia. Who knew? Well, now you do. A positive outlook also benefits your health. 
Believing that you can reach your goal makes it more likely that you will. Having the correct mindset can help you achieve your goals, but you need more than positive mindset. You also then need to take action and pursue those goals. The positive outlook will keep you moving in the right direction. Emotional wellness includes appreciation, gratitude, thankfulness, and letting go of anger, bitterness, and resentment. When you're focused on being upset with someone, you're wasting emotional energy on things you cannot change. You have choices. You don't have to react and spend your energy, emotions, thoughts, and feelings on something that you cannot change. We are each responsible for our own emotions and the way we respond to others. Don't give your power away. Don't give control of your life over to others. I like being around positive, upbeat people, and I tend to avoid, like the plague, people who are cranky, whiny, and negative as much as possible. Now, that's not always possible, but then we don't have to overreact in those situations. That's a choice. I believe we should all be givers and not an emotional drain on the world around us. Being supportive of others builds up that social capital that will be returned when we need a lift. Now, step seven, or habit or component of a healthy life, revolves around the spiritual life. Now, that can mean many things to a whole lot of different people. No matter what your spiritual beliefs are, research shows that people who pray and have a spiritual relationship tend to have better health, less stress, an increased lifespan, and greater feelings of self-worth and happiness. Meditation and prayer allows you to unload worries, gets them out of your body, and releases them from your being. Having some sort of spiritual practice has a positive impact on mental health. Faith in a higher power has been part of a 12-step program of all kinds. There is a protective effect. Having faith gives people hope and a reason to keep striving for their goals, even in adversity and when times get tough. So those are the seven steps, habits, or components to a healthy life from my point of view. And I'm always making adjustments as I learn new information, as I research and read. So a quick review, nutrition, exercise, sleep and rest, environment, relationships, your mental outlook, and your spiritual practices all make up a healthy life. So if you have an area that you need to work on, think about it and write it down and then take action to improve it. I can't tell you what you need to improve or change. That's totally up to you. People have asked me, well, where do you get your information? I do a fair amount of reading and attend a lot of seminars online. One excellent source of information is pubmed.gov. You can search for studies on almost any topic of a medical concern. But understand these are research studies and they can be problematic to read or to even decipher some of the information. 
but it can be a place to start. As far as people that I use to gather information, Dr. Joseph Mercola, Dr. Alan Sears, and Dave Asprey's books and information are excellent. Dave was the founder of Bulletproof Coffee. He is no longer associated with them, but he likes to get down into the weeds on how to biohack your life to be the best you can be. I know that his website has over 3,000 articles and a whole bunch of videos that I find to be excellent. And if I was starting from scratch, I'd probably start with Dave's site first. And that's D-A-V-E-A-S-B-U-R-Y dot com. This next segment will be about a couple of more books that I would like to recommend for you. The first is a book called The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann. First, it's just a neat little story. It won't take much time to read. This book illustrates and illuminates the principles of contribution, abundance, kindness, service, and success. It's a story that illustrates the universal law of attraction. So if you want to attract good in your life, the premise of the book is to give it first. I enjoyed the book so much that I gave it to several people and highly recommend it. The second book is Your Money or Your Life by Joe Dominguez and Vicki Robin. Now this is an older book. It was published in the 1990s. But this book gives you a set of rules, of ideas, that provides insight into your financial, practical, emotional world. It reveals a simple method to measure your personal economic values. You can learn that spending less doesn't have to lead to a limiting life. You can actually liberate yourself from the need for consumption of things you really don't need. It asks you a series of questions in the prologue that will make you think about money and your relationship with it. And the book gives you the steps to improve your relationship with money. I thoroughly enjoyed it and highly recommend it. I have another quote for you. It comes from Sitting Bull, who lived from 1831 until 1890. It goes as follows. Warriors are not what you think of as warriors. A warrior is not someone who fights because no one has the right to take another life. The warrior for us is one who sacrifices themselves for the good of others. Their task is to take care of the elderly, of the defenseless, those who cannot provide for themselves, and above all, the children the future of humanity. Take a few minutes to reflect on that quote and what Sitting Bull was trying to say. Are you a warrior in the sense of what he was speaking about? To help others, to take care of the defenseless and take care of the children, make sure that humanity is free and thrives. I strive for that in my own life. And I hope you enjoyed that quote because I do. And I did. I like fables and parables. 
and want to share one called Stone Soup. A long time ago, in an ancient village, a farmer spots three soldiers on the edge of town. He runs into the marketplace, shouting a warning. Quick, close your doors and lock your windows. Hungry soldiers are coming, and they'll take all our food away. The soldiers were hungry, and they began knocking on doors and asking for something to eat. The first villager told him that his cupboards were bare. The second villager told them the same. The next door did not even open. One of the hungry soldiers says, I've got an idea. Let's make some stone soup. The other soldiers agree, and they knock on a door. As the door opens, the soldier says, Excuse me, do you have a cauldron and some firewood? We would like to make some stone soup. The villager looks at them and thinks, There's no risk here and says, soup from stones, this I've got to see. Sure, I'll help. So she gives him a cauldron and firewood, while the other soldier goes for water. They bring water to a boil, and add three large stones. News spreads, and villagers begin to gather. Soup from stones, this we have to see. I had no idea you could make soup from stones, says a villager. Sure can, replies a soldier. Tired of standing around, a villager says, Can I help? Perhaps if you had a few potatoes, that would make the soup taste even better, says the soldier. The villager leaves and returns with some potatoes and adds them to the simmering pot of stones. Another villager asks, Well, how can I help? Well, carrots would make the soup taste even better, replies the soldier. The villager leaves and returns in a few minutes with about a dozen carrots and adds it to the simmering pot of stones. Others pitch in and add barley, garlic, leeks, even poultry. After a while, one of the soldiers calls out, It's done! and shares the soup with everyone in the village. The villagers are heard saying, soup from stones. I didn't know it could taste so good. I had no idea. And that's the fable, soup from stones. What message did you receive from this fable? When I first read this fable, what stood out to me first was the fear. The farmers and the villagers were afraid of the soldiers. Fear is a powerful emotion. There are times when it can save your life. But there are other times that it doesn't really help you very much and can be a large negative in your life. Fear can also be written or thought about as false evidence that appears real. Asking for help was not overcoming the fear of the villagers and the farmers. Their goal was to get some food. So they kept the goal, but they changed their method. They changed the way they were attempting to get to their goal. So they kept the goal, but changed the plan. People are curious, and the soldiers used that to their advantage. They didn't use force. They were polite and respectful. People love to help and contribute. The villagers began to see the soldiers differently. The fear vanished, and the villagers decided to help. They offered resources, which included 
vegetables, spices, meat. Everyone that contributed made the soup taste better. Making this soup turned into a collaboration and a cooperative effort. The soldiers didn't do it alone, and they understood human nature. Once the soup was done, they didn't keep it all for themselves. They shared. They didn't see that pot of soup as their last meal. The soldiers saw abundance, not limitation. Sharing creates goodwill and makes everyone feel better. Think about how you can use these same ideas in your life, relationships, and businesses. Implement your ideas. Take action. Well, that's the end of the topics for today. I hope you enjoyed them and that you will come back next week for another episode of Infinite Possibilities Abound. I'm your host, Debbie Wasner. Have a wonderful day.